Welcome back to The Francisca Show, where we encourage fellow artists and entrepreneurs to collaborate and support each other while sharing their stories. I'm Francisca, a singer, composer, music producer, and also your host. And just before we start the show, I'd like to thank all our listeners for following the show, writing in, because that is the only way we can grow this platform and make it more enjoyable for you. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the show and also leave us a good review because that helps us a lot. We have with us an award-winning singer, songwriter, and educator, Neshama Kalbach, one of today's best-selling Jewish artists in the world. It is such an honor to have you here, Neshama. I feel like this is a dream come true for me. Uh, You are a star in my mind, someone... I really admire and I love your whole aura to you. Oh, I'm so moved. Thank you. And you're amazing. I feel so happy that we know each other and that we're connected and that we're in each other's worlds. What you're doing is so important and glorious. So this is an honor for me too. Please know that. Thank you. So let's just dive right in and talk about your childhood. And I know it's probably a very cliche question for you, but what was it like growing up in your father's home? I grew up in my mother's home, and my father flew in like a little angel here and there. My father was never home. Um, My father was the most ungrounded, running around person ever, if that makes sense. So my mom raised me, and my father visited, and it was an amazing adventure, sort of following him around and waiting for him and celebrating him for the, you know, three minutes he came home and then he left again. So my, my life with him was, was definitely inconsistent. There was no, he wasn't really a parent. He was more like a, a really cool friend, (laughs) like visited here and there. Did you sing with him on stage from a very young age? I started to stand beside him, I think, when I was three years old. That was, that was apparently what I wanted, and I would just stand there, and then people would give me chocolate and money. <laughs> that was, that was kind of cool. And then when I got old enough to understand that when I stood there, I received gifts, I did it more often. <laughs> um, and that was a, just kind of like a, you know, I think when you're young, your, your brain works in different ways. And I remember just being really tickled that people would smile at me and thank me and pay me. <laughs> That was, you know, for my for an eight year old, that was thrilling. Um, and then when I was fifteen, I began to sing with him. But when I was fifteen years old, I, I realized who he was. When I was fifteen, I I realized how how great he was and how his mission was really based in wanting to create goodness in the world. And I remember crying, realizing who my father was. It's like I just didn't know. I think it's a rare gift for a child to see their parent clearly. You know, I think it takes a long time. So I feel very blessed that from when I was 15 until I was 20 when he passed, that I had several years of having a relationship with him that was probably more equal than it should have been for my age. But it was an equal, um, he was my friend and he told me things and we shared things and I understood him strangely. Um, so I think that was a blessing for me to, to gain that at the age of 15. I love how you describe this relationship you have and that moment in life when you understand how cool your parent is. Right. <laughs> I feel like I've experienced that also. It's a very phenomenal realization and moment yeah. in your life. 
How old were you when you appreciated your parents? Well, uh, people from a very young age always told me how I should appreciate them or they spoke about how they appreciated them. I don't remember that being a defining moment. I feel like that's just the way I grew up. But definitely having that realization as a grown-up, I think it came recently, you know, living Mm. an adult life. So I'm happy you mentioned your mother because she sort of falls onto the sidelines of your story very often because there's not so much information about her out there. Could you share a little bit more about your mother? My mother and my sister, and I think I shared this with you one of the last times we spoke, my mother and my sister have both managed somehow to escape the the manic craziness <laughs> that is wrapped around my father's existence. And I think they they have escaped beautifully. <laughs> and they, they feel it every once in a while and we all kind of go into it as a family, but they they have managed to have privacy and integrity in their privacy. And I really, really love that for them. My sister is the mom of four beautiful children. She raises them. She lives in Israel and she gets to have a life. She's a photographer. She She's amazing. She adopts animals sometimes who are in pain or in, who need homes before she finds foster homes for them. And she helps some of her friends care for their children. So she has four of her own. And there have been times that I, I speak to my sister and she has nine children in her house just because she's helping when someone is sick, she's cooking them a 30-course meal. She's extraordinary. And she has somehow managed to escape the frenzy of living as my father's daughter. And my mom is, she's amazing. I have no words for my mother. I would just cry, actually. She's so special to me. She becomes more special and more precious to me as I grow older. She was always close to me. But when I became a mother myself, I began, I mean, just exactly what you said as an adult, I I began to appreciate her in a way that I never did when I was younger. And I'm so grateful for her. My father has been the topic because he's gone and he is still here. And my mom has held it together for me. She's been a healer for me. She's been grounding for me. She taught me how to to sort of run my own business. I don't know that I ever would have done that or been able to do that without her. She watches my children when I go out of town. I'm extraordinarily grateful for my family. And yeah, I love love that I don't talk about them very much. It's really cool. (laughs) It's good to have something that people don't know about. (laughs) It's, It's nice. You need that privacy aspect to your life. And it's so beautiful how you get your musical inspiration from your father and then you get your business inspiration and strategies from your mother so it's a family business yeah and by the way I don't I don't know that my father gave me my ultimate musical inspiration I think my music inspiration has come from a variety of sources from my own musical training from you know my love of rock and roll like that was not my dad I think what I get from my father is how to see people actually I get from my father um, spiritual sensitivity and from my father, I learned how to dream. My mother taught me how to stand on my feet. And the world around me has influenced my music. My, my music, I think, it comes from a very different source than my dad's did. My father was in the clouds. Like, he was kind of here, but kind of not. <laughs> you know, if you ever met him, you would know. And people in his presence would say, oh, my God, it's like heaven on earth. You know, he was here, but not here. I remember my grandmother talking about seeing him sing and I don't know if I would call it performing. That was just, I guess, his way of life. But there was an aura to him and there was this energy around him that when I saw you perform, 
over a year ago, I remember whatever that was she was talking about, I felt it because whatever I was going through at the time, I couldn't stop crying while you were singing. So there's definitely something real to that. And when you say heaven on earth, that's exactly how I would describe that experience that I felt hearing you sing. That means so much to me. It really does. I've never ever walked on stage sort of prepared to move people. I've every single time in my life, and I've done it a lot, that I've ever walked on stage, I cry inside and I pray that I can do some good. I don't ever know what's going to happen. My father would say to me also before he'd go on stage, bless me to say the right thing. Sometimes he would say, bless me to make it short because <laughs> he, you know, he tended to go on. I want to say that I'm connected to that energy and I, I want to believe that I am. I'm very skeptical and cynical and suspicious, actually. So for me to get into that place where I'm just believing and channeling that, that takes, it takes a lot of prayer for me. So when you say that, when other people have said that, that they feel that energy, I am just profoundly grateful because that's not, that's not something that I can manufacture. That's just, that's just heaven working its, its magic. Oh, yeah, definitely. Before we go on to your musical career, can you give us a little background? Did you know you wanted to be singer from a very young age, or is there something more practical you were hoping to study and learn to do? Um, I was never wanting to do anything but be on stage from when I was three, and I, I had very big plans. You know, I was very, I was very determined, and I, I'm sure that that was not easy for the people around me. <laughs> was I was like a, a steamroller from when I was very young deciding what I wanted and where I had to be. I think I've become much more soft in my, in my adulthood than I was as a child. That's what people tell me. I wanted to be on stage. I, from when I was five years old, acting, singing, dancing, I wanted to be on Broadway. And uh, never did I believe that I would be taking over for my father, but he died and there was a need. And I was too heartbroken to, to do anything but live in a space that reminded me of him. So stage, yes. My father's music, absolutely not. Jewish stuff, absolutely not. <laughs> I don't think I ever grew up thinking that I would be a, you know, a Jewish, um, Jewish practitioner in this world, that I would be living for and breathing prayer like I am. I never, I never knew that that would be me. So that was a, that was a sort of a surprise. Um, but the performance part, that's, that was always where I lived. So... That's really interesting how you say that because I identify with that a lot. It's about the performance, yeah. it's about the music, and then the form it takes or what you end up singing. It, it attracted you, it brought you into itself. So you sort of stepped yes. into these shoes. And now that you brought up the conversation of you didn't think you would be this Jewish practitioner, whatever that means to you, I know you've evolved religiously or at least by the labels that Jewish communities use, you have transitioned from one to another. Can you talk about that process and what went through your head? What struggles did you have to work through to find your place in Judaism? Now, I still don't know that I have found my place in Judaism. And when you talk about the labels, you know, I always call them boxes that we, human beings, not just Jews, but I think people have the need for overdefining 
You want to know, this is what I do. This is who this is. This is this relationship. You know, we need to label and identify and box everything because I guess it gives us a certain sense of control. I don't know that I have found a space in any Jewish community. I, I There are things about a lot of the movements that really speak to me. Um, I really, when I went to a URJ biennial many years ago, it was the first time that I had ever seen women lead prayer in, in that way, in that dramatic, beautiful way. I had lived my life as an Orthodox Jew, apologizing for being a woman, apologizing for my own strength, apologizing for Kol Isha. You know, there was no place that I went that Kol Isha was not the topic. How could you? How could you? How could you? You're bringing shame to your father. You should be at home making chicken and having babies. You know, like that was, that was the box that they thought that I should fit into. And I was always sort of not listening <laughs> in the Orthodox Jewish world. And I had no female colleagues. I had no sisters who did this work. There was just a lot of, a lot of brothers and a lot of inappropriate behavior and a lot of judgment. And when I went to the biennial, when I talked about having an aliyah, aliyat nefesh, you know, like a, a rush of higher consciousness, I felt somehow like I found a community that I could be myself in. I found a community where women were welcome, where I had women singers. My The closest friends in the world that I have are my soul sisters who also sing, the cantors, the singers, the song leaders. They're my family. They just are. And they um, they emerged in my life at a moment where I thought I was done with Judaism because I could not live being held back and judged and screamed at just because I was a woman anymore. So community-wise, I'm so grateful for the reform movement. Um, God-wise, the machitza makes me sad because now I really understand the depth of why it's there. You know, I grew up with a machitza and I... I got it. I never felt unsafe in it. It was a place of sisterhood, and this was my place. And now that I know how the world sees women, now I know, like in my heart intrinsically, what that means. For in so many communities, I can't. I'm not comfortable there anymore. And at the same time, tefillah, Orthodox tefillah is where I live. <laughs> you know, that's that's where I. That's where my soul expands in that kind of tefillah setting. So. Um, I guess I'm between a lot of places right now, and maybe that's what makes me an interesting, when I say Jewish practitioner, somebody that wants to bring depth and meaning. I'm never, I have never arrived ever yet at the place where I want to be, where there is shlemut, where there is wholeness. I believe that it's all about the journey, and I'm hoping that the the vulnerability and the sadness and the longing and the wishing and the joy of my process has given something to people because I have not been afraid to share it. Um, and please, God, I, I hope to continue to have the courage to speak my truth. And I think my Jewish journey is forever evolving. I, I have no idea where I'll end up. <laughs> I, just, I don't even know. I just don't know. I, I hope that my children have an easier time than I did. You really shared here and you opened up and I appreciate it a lot. And if I may add, my experience to this is that I feel very fortunate and blessed that I feel like I was born with the space to figure out for myself where I want to be and who I want to be and what I can do. Just like no one is standing on top of me asking me if my food's kosher. I didn't have that growing up in, in the artist sense. 
with Colisha. And thank God I was fortunate enough to surround myself with my husband and family members and a support system where the men around me do not represent that what you speak of, which absolutely exists in the Orthodox community. I'm not going to disvalidate. I just want to acknowledge that you were in an environment where you had a lot of this. I agree. I have known the most glorious Orthodox people who are expansive and who walk in the way of the Torah and who have loved me. I know that. I think the sad thing is when you, you know, it's always the people who are negative that are the loudest, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. And I've had, I've had a lot of loud opposition in my ear. I know the people who have loved me, you know, they don't call every day. <laughs> they don't send 20 letters. They don't stalk me and yell. You know, they're, they're not that kind, even in a positive way. They just, they have their own lives. The people I really respect have their own lives. When I meet people who are like, oh yeah, I hung out with your father for 30 years. You know, it's like, did you have a house? Like, did you have a job? Did you have family? You know, it's, it's those people that have been the loudest and it's a terrible thing for me to say it, that I that I feel far from the Orthodox world based on the representation of that voice. Um, and of course, nothing is perfect. And of course, in an ideal world, none of us would live in those boxes. And of course, there are glorious people on all sides. And I, I've never met one person and say, oh, you're Orthodox, I'm out. Or, oh, you're Reformed, so I love you. It's not like that at all, like not even close. But when it comes to the larger community and the overarching themes, Kol Isha, and where women sit in the Orthodox world is complex. Don't you agree with that? Even even if you've had the right support for yourself, don't you feel that? There are a lot of boundaries, and there are a lot of ways, and there are also a lot of interpretations to how to accept or live with certain boundaries and restrictions. Mm. So I think it's the job of every person to find their way of living within Torah and finding how Torah is in their life and how they could keep breathing and keep striving and learning and being true to themselves at the same time. So I think it's a balance. And yes, I think life experience plays a big role in how open and able to, to live within certain norms, I guess, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. (laughs) What you, what you said makes complete sense. And there's, there is no world where we have perfection. But I think that's that's what we're here for, right? To figure it out anyway. Yeah. You're one of the best-selling Jewish artists today, which is incredible that I'm even talking to you on this oh, show. Please. And you're a woman, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, that's cool. And if I'm correct, I think you were able to support your family through your music, which is so incredible and unusual in this business. Yes. And things have changed in the past year or two there have been allegations against your father and I'm sure that's affected your livelihood can you share a little bit of what has happened and how that's affected you that's a large question and it's an important one and I'm uh, I'm proud to say that I'm struggling through the writing of a book which I hope will be received there's there's so many angles to this story it's um it's hard to talk about it you know, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. So my father, like every other person in the world, apparently had, you know, good things that he did and not so good things that he did. And the allegations about his behavior, they were all from before I was born and before I knew him. And I don't know that person that they describe. 
um, I only know that we must live in a world where nobody is hurt and nobody is violated. And that's kind of the beginning and the end of the conversation for me. And if my father were alive and he could, you know, have a conversation with me, I would say the same to his face. Um, the problem becomes when he's not here. And because I have been the, the messenger for, of his work and because I have carried him with so much love, there are people in the world who literally do not identify me away from him. So in, in this moment of me too, in this place of awakening, which I believe is so, again, it's so important that we learn how to do it better. We got to learn how to do it better, period. The anger, the ban on my father, a lot of it has fallen onto me. And it's been confusing and painful and horrifying. And I have gone through um, just every possible emotion in this last year and a half. And yes, I stopped working because I became... I became complicated. I think I was a, a really, I was kind of a home run artist for people to bring in. They knew that I would come and that I would sell a lot of tickets and that the show would be great. And now it's complicated. Now it's the, the my name became complicated. And I must say that after all of this time of exploration and back and forth and crying and fuming and mourning, um, this has become the best gift of my life. From this place of not knowing who I was meant to be, I was able to separate myself from him enough to find a new body of music, a new level of my own artistry, a new level of my own independent emotional healing. Um, and I have never been more me than I am right now. There, you know, a lot of, I'm sure there's a whole lot of analogies in the world about walking through the fire and having to go through so much hardship before you find your way home. And I believe with all of me that that is true. And I believe that the home that I have found now was even sweeter than the home that I left, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And the music that I just released, it's my record Believe is my 10th. And it's, it came out in March. And it's, I'm so thrilled and overwhelmed by the response to the music. I worked with Beth Stiles, who is one of the most, connected vessels of light. Um, the music that she writes is glorious. I've never been uh, a musician. So I, you know, I'm, I'm more lyrics and musical arrangements and I kind of go by feel. She is a musician like no one I've ever known, actually. So she and I and my business part partner, Jackie Tepper, the three of us were in a room for nearly a year creating this new body of music. Um, and I feel so blessed to have been a part of this new voice that's been bestowed upon me. That's how I feel. And it came to me not from the heavens. It came to me because I was willing to be in the fire and not back away and not be afraid. So that's a long answer. But that's where I'm, that's where I'm at today. <laughs> I'm, I'm figuring my, my path out. I'm starting to tour again, um, singing this music. It's, it's been kind of amazing to me that as I came out with this music, people are calling me now and saying, oh, we miss your father. <laughs> like, of course you do. <laughs> of course, now that I have like a whole new body of music, now you want S.I. and I. <laughs> so that's, that's a little bit funny, a little bit ironic. Um, but we are preparing to go out on the road again starting in the fall and really elated and excited to give 
the message and the healing and the strength that I've that I've learned. You know, this is this is what I've learned this year, um, and I hope that it inspires people. You know, it's been an incredible journey talking to you over the last year, and just hearing you think out loud and talk out loud about your experiences and how your life is drastically changing, how your your career is changing completely. You went from singing your father's songs to writing your own original music for which you're building a whole new brand out of this. You just sound like you're out of that cloud, if I can say that. There's so much thought that went through this and I feel like I've witnessed so much of it. I'm honored. <laughs> Thank you for standing by me and for talking to me and for being a friend. You know, I don't know you well, but you've, you've become a friend and I appreciate that. Thank you. It's an honor that you say that. I feel the same about you. Thank you. I, recently, there was a tragic event that has also affected you. There was a heat wave in Israel in May, and one fire had almost completely destroyed the village of Mevo Modi'im, a moshav that your father has founded. Can you comment on that? Event? I can. So first of all, I'm, I'm very sad to say that they confirmed that it was in fact arson. It was not a wildfire. Oh, wow. So that's one level of sadness. Um, so much of my life has been wrapped up in the Moshav, my childhood, my closest friends, um, the fact that it has been burned almost to the ground is, it's a nightmare. There are 70 families who are homeless. We are trying desperately to raise funds. They've, I think they've raised, you know, half a million dollars so far, which is nothing. You know, it's like, it's, it's an amazing accomplishment. And it's also just the very beginning of what these people whose lives and homes and businesses have been destroyed, what they need. Um, so I encourage all of you out there, there's so much about this and so many places to give, you know, just on the internet, if you guys just do a little search <laughs> for helping the people of Movomo Di'in, I'm, I'm at a loss, frankly. It's, it's like the destruction of my, of my childhood. My mother is just brokenhearted. My mother spent more time there than anyone. My sister, who lived in Israel, was there all the time. She had clothes there for her children. Um, and our whole home was destroyed. Um, but I will tell you one small thing that was very interesting that I'm still, I'm really struggling with. So in our home, if you see the pictures, it just destroyed the couch is just a pile of springs the everything everything the refrigerator folded onto itself it's just like nothing left and then somehow in a room where my father's books his holy books thousands of them were stored in boxes the floor was burned the ceiling was burned the sides of the walls were burned and the boxes themselves burned and the books were intact and it's been on the news. It's been documented. People came in. How is it that in a, in a home that is burned, books did not burn? And it's, um, it's extraordinary. And the other space in the Moshev that did not burn was the other structure that housed some of my father's holy books. So you, you help me understand that. You know, I, I believe in God. I also don't necessarily understand this miracle. <laughs> it's... Um, but I believe that my father is speaking loudly about, um, I don't know. I don't know what he's saying. That's my truth. I'm, I'm coming to terms with it. I'm having many conversations with him. You know, that how is it that everything was destroyed, but these were not. 
It's funny, right? It's very unusual. It sounds almost mystical. It's, it's, unheard, it's mystical and unheard of. You know, there, is, there are videos when they discovered this room with that stuff. And you see literally the boxes completely burned and the ceiling, the floor, the everything around them. It's almost like there was a, a bubble of protection around the books, even from the boxes they were in. I'm so sorry for that happening. I had no idea it was arson. Thanks for clearing that up. I cannot imagine. Terrorism is not fun. I'm blown away by my brothers and sisters from the Moshev who are fighting daily. I want to mention Brachi Sprung, who is sort of at the, at the top point of the leadership of healing and bringing solace and you know, getting people their passports and getting people their medication and getting people spaces to live and trying to iron out details that I, I can't even begin to fathom. Um, so they're on there doing that and I'm supporting from the side. And yes, it is, it's tragic and awful. That's terrible. I'd like to end with this. And if I may say so, you have completely reinvented yourself on so many levels. And and you had to do it in a public way. But what would your advice be for anyone going through something extremely difficult or something that's questioning their existence to the core? <laughs> what words of wisdom can you share with someone going through something like this or anything that's so life-altering? You know, I think everyone is different. And so it's, um, you know, there is no formula, unfortunately. And in some ways I have... I've lived through it, and I, and I believe I'm stronger now, but if I was hit with something else, would I be as strong? I don't know. I don't know. I think my, my only advice is to breathe and to be alive as you're falling apart, to not give in to that place of hopelessness that takes you away from your soul and your grounding. And for whatever it's worth for me, I believe that we go through challenges so we can rise up stronger. And that's what my music says, literally, directly, in the, most, in the most direct way that I've ever said it in my life, this new record, Believe, says that. We are here for a larger purpose. We are here to bless each other. We are here to love. It's only love that we are here for. And if we can believe that the world will hold each other and that we will make it through and rise up higher, you can put a little bit of sense into why it is that we suffer. And sometimes it's really hard to do that. Sometimes you're in so much pain you can't see out. Have patience and love for yourself when you're in that place too. There's, there's nobody that can, you can't airlift yourself out of your own life. You can only appreciate your life and live it and breathe it and try to be the best version of yourself even while you're going through it. And if you are blessed in the way that I have, when you come out of the other side, you'll understand your own reason, your own formula for what it was that that, that that created within you. Amen. You know, we should, we should all find that place. We're all in our own fire, all of us. We're all living through, whether it's years or months or days and everything, everyone's different, of our own losses, our own pain, our own regret, our own, our own sadness. Just keep going. Don't give up on this life. Don't decide you don't want this life anymore. Don't decide, that, don't decide to give up. Just keep going because there is light if you keep going. I don't know when that light comes, but I know it's there. Thank you so much, Nishama, for coming on the show, giving us your time and your sharing your story, sharing your wisdom, your support. 
Thank you, my friend. Thank you for doing this work and for talking with me all this time and for for wanting to bring good to the world because that's what you're doing. You really are. You keep going too. Thank you. We will wrap up this episode with the preview of the song Believe by Neshama Karlbach. This song is available on neshamakarlbach.com, on iTunes, and wherever else you get your music. If you have been enjoying the show, please make sure to subscribe, leave us a good review, share this podcast with other friends. Also, make sure to go back and listen to the episodes from the beginning. We have some amazing Jewish female artists who have been featured on the show. And if you do have suggestions for any future interviews you think we should hold, please make sure to reach out at franciscak at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Also, please click on the link in the show notes to fill out a quick survey to help us build, improve, and make this podcast better for you. Let us light these lights for the world tonight. Let our hearts unite.
ShopDrop is an iPhone app that lists every sample sale in New York. So if you want to buy designer clothes without breaking the bank, go to your iPhone and download the ShopDrop app today. <laughs>